Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to another episode of Money Talks. My name is Hugh Meyer. Uh, excited to be here today. And just to remind everyone, Money Talks was established to interview elite entrepreneurs, business executives, and thought leaders and talk to them about what they're doing and how they're thinking creatively during these really disruptive times. And today I'm excited to uh, welcome our guest, Bunny Young. Bunny, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Hugh. Hi, all of you listeners. Thank you again. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. Um, can you guys can you tell our viewers a little bit about your background? Oh my gosh, uh, yeah, it's a bit eclectic to say the least. I've been a stunt woman, an EMT, a therapist, and a swim instructor. I owned a swimming company like that taught uh, swim lessons and lifeguarding. I'm a third generation entrepreneur, and um, as I said, I, I did go to school and have a, my graduate degree as a licensed professional counselor, and now I work exclusively in the work-life alignment field for mental health in the workplace with um, corporations as large as you know Fortune 50 companies, Wow! and then um, my particular favorite is to work with entrepreneurs, uh, family-owned businesses like my parents and my grandparents had and be able to help them have a business that is supporting the life that they want rather than spending their entire life in their business and sacrificing, you know, a, a, a tremendous life, but living in their purpose and doing that work-life alignment. So that's my background. I have a degree. I don't, I won't say I necessarily don't use it. Um, but you know, I think that being a stunt woman taught me more about uh, risk aversion and <laughs> having the right team around you than my uh, degrees. I, I love that analogy, especially the one about risk, because that's what we're here to manage every day. And, you know, going to the, your, what you're doing now, obviously, what you have done, what you're doing has been always hugely important, but I can't imagine kind of how that's been really elevated because of the, the times we're in now. Can you yeah. maybe discuss that a little bit? Yeah, so the believe it or not, the simple drive to work and drive home is what we call in the therapeutic world, like decompression time. And so whether it was conscious or subconscious, you're transitioning. And now you're transitioning from possibly walking out of a spare bedroom or a home office right into the thick of things. And you may also be educating your children from home as well. So I have a three and a nine-year-old that I'm doing that with. And so all of these things can lead to burnout and chronic burnout and increased anxiety and feelings of overwhelm. And then you also unfortunately see an increase in domestic violence from a um, social services standpoint because of not only the increased financial stress, but the, you know, lack of really having an outlet because we've been in quarantine and right. we're not able to go anywhere. We're not able to have the social interaction and, and outlets that we normally have. And it's a huge disruption to our schedules. And not to mention, Hugh, I don't think that Americans had self-care on lock prior to this. So really, when you think about self-care, the first thing when we're doing like a speaking and I say, you know, tell me the first things that come up to mind when I say self-care, it's normally pedicures, massages, a, a day at golf. Right. Okay, well, if you do a, a ratio of how much time you spend doing that versus how much time you spend 
in a stressful situation, such as running a company or, um, you know, a 40 hour work week, which most listeners are laughing at me right now because they know the truth that a 40 hour work week isn't what it used to be. And then the connectivity that we have right. and constant connectivity that we have. And now, you know, it's infiltrated our, our homes. Our homes are not even a sanctuary anymore. We're where we used to bring our laptop home and maybe do a little bit of work, it's almost like the feeling that now that we're expected to work at home because that's the mindset that we're at and there's just no transition. So stress, overwhelm, anxiety, burnout has been exponentially increasing in corporations and we're seeing a lot more requests for uh, coming into corporations and talking about what used to be a taboo topic, which is mental health, which was kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of for you to handle on your own personal time. And our argument is no, the mental health of our workforce is very much in the best interest of companies. And it's very much um, a responsibility and something that the company should be held accountable for and what you're contributing to the ultimate mental wellness and well-being of your team. Thank you for that. I mean, that is, um, that can't be overstated right now. I mean, it couldn't be overstated in January of this year, but especially now with mm-hmm. what's going on, um, you know, obviously what you do is, is invaluable. It's a huge thank you for being here to talk about it. It's and be such a great resource because clearly the stress of all of us, um, wherever we are, has, has climbed exponentially very it's un, it's not healthy yeah. um and corporations should be reaching out to people like yourself um because without their employees uh and without their stability there's no company yeah and and just looking at the time that you have for yourself you drop the kids off at school and you know you're being able to have that 45 minute drive um into you know work. Um, especially if you're in Southern California, it might be longer. I'm going to give a shout out to all my SoCal people where it takes 90 minutes to go three miles. Remember I learned how to drive on the 101 in a stick shift. So it was a nightmare. Um, but you know, I, and I'm wearing flip flops and a tank top. Cause I just, there's some things you can't beat out of a, or you can't get out of a California girl. Um, so being able to have that 45 minutes to an hour and a half long time um, to kind of think and transition and go over your mental checklist and then also transition back into that. How do you build that in a remote working lifestyle and how do you build the water cooler chat and how do you build, you know, all of that can I've heard companies say, well, we have a Slack channel where people can talk. Well, it's still within the confines of the employment environment. And so there's, there's all of these concerns about what I can say or what I cannot say. Right. Um, add that to the disability and in, or diversity, disability and inclusion initiatives. And companies have their plates full right now but we're really switching from a place of, um, you know, people versus racism to humanity versus disengagement. And so it's really a shift, a huge shift for us to be able to look at, well, let's not just have a mental health focus. Let's not just have a 
inclusion focus. Let's, let's really look at humanity as a whole and the lives that we say we want to live because McKinsey just put out a, um, a survey that they did over a a thousand surveys and 84% of companies had um, their employees saying purpose is important to me. And yet less than half of those companies had any real purpose um, stated. And then less than a quarter of those companies had purpose and that engagement and their people in their top two priorities. And so really you can't have a company without people, even no matter how many robots you make, you can't have a company without people. You can't have a company without visionaries and we can't have dreamers and visionaries and entrepreneurs and people that are happy to do their jobs and show up without that self-awareness of what is your purpose and what value do you bring in this world to make the world a better place? That's that's great. I, uh, I, I'm, I could appreciate that. I know our viewers could appreciate that. Um, that's, I mean, you're clearly a tremendous resource to your clients and to anyone who will be watching this. Um, it's, you know, what you do is, is hugely important. So on to that point, can you talk a little bit about this, your concept of framework of values, which you were kind of just alluding to? Yeah, so if the viewers have done any stalking or Googling before or after this of me, you know that I am not just a third generation entrepreneur, but our family is a huge military family to the point that we have a fort named after my dad's side of the family, Fort Sumner, New Mexico. And so my husband's army, my dad's army, both my grandparents, uh, grandfathers were army. And so when I was starting a company, I did grow up in sort of a militant kind of environment, just in the expectation that my dad made sure that um, respect and organization and purpose were all ingrained in everything that I did. And if I wanted to take on something new, that I knew what I was sacrificing in order to do these things. And that may sound like it wasn't a great childhood, but I can tell you from the therapeutic side of it and the child development side of it, having boundaries and also having space to discover and make my own mistakes was tremendous in my personal development and in my professional development. And so being, I, I looked at the military and like, why are these people literally sacrificing their lives and being happy about it versus people in corporate America and I'm not trying to offend any listeners, but it can feel like you're sacrificing the best part of your life for you're not getting a pension. Most of us, we don't get a gold watch anymore. So why are you sacrificing the best years of your life away from your kids and away from your family? Like for what? And I'm not saying that there's not an answer to that question, but most companies don't fulfill the answer to that question. And so it's not very clear to the people that work for the companies, what they're sacrificing for. Like what, what is it that they're doing that makes a difference? Whereas the military for the army I can speak to is, you know, a 13 week boot camp to basically say, here's the purpose. Here's your core values. Um, if you didn't have your own before, well, you know, we, we're giving you your core values. We're giving you your purpose as a soldier, as an airman, uh, and, you know, in the Air Force, and I don't just want to include the Army. I'm going to give a shout out, even though the Army's number one. Shout out to to everybody, even the Coast Guard. Um, 
So, you know, being able to have that sense and that knowledge and that awareness of these are my core values. This is what I exist to do. This is my purpose is to defend our country and to keep uh, my family safe. And so being, if you take that same kind of analogy, 13 weeks, you 13 weeks learning this culture and immersing yourself in this culture. You can't, you can't call home to your friends and family. You, you know, don't have your cell phone. You don't have your laptop. You're living and breathing and eating and sharing with your brothers and sisters and, and teammates. And so, um, you know, being able to think about that in comparison to what is a corporate onboarding look like? Maybe you play a 45 minute video about here's what our company's about. Right. And then like day two, you're at your desk sitting there going, what do I do? And, you know, everybody else is so worried about getting their stuff done. And, and this is very generalized. I'm not saying this is every single company. But your question was, you know, what's the framework? And so our framework is always to go back to your core values first and then finding your own purpose and then finding the company's purpose and making sure that all of those are aligned. The company's core values, your core values, your purpose, the company's purpose. And a lot of companies don't get it right. So when you talk about mission and vision work, so vision is where we're going. So vision is the destination. So if we woke up tomorrow and there were no threats to the United States in the foreseeable future, if we were 100% safe and no one was going to invade us and no one was going to try to threaten American lives, then one could argue that our military would not really need to be there to defend us in, in theory. And so that's the power of a vision is if you woke up tomorrow and this was done, then you wouldn't have to get up and do anything. Like for me, if I woke up tomorrow and there was not a single way in which I could make the world a better place, there wasn't a podcast with listeners that needed to hear this message, then I could just go back to bed. Now, your mission is how you fulfill that. So your mission is like the vehicle that's driving on this road towards the vision, which is your destination. And you see this in the military. They have these micro missions and some of them are macro missions to accomplish ultimately the vision of keeping our homeland safe and keeping Americans safe. And, you know, I know that you'll get some comments and I'll get some comments from, from this about what the military does outside of the United States and that, you know, we may have gotten off of our ultimate vision as, as a military. But remember that there's, there's always alternative reasons and chess pieces that are, are being moved and ultimately um, serving an ally could serve the higher purpose of keeping us safer in the long run. Um, and so, you know, that's from a company's framework standpoint where we come in and talk about, it's not just, it's a four-step process and it's self-awareness, self-management, team awareness, team management. And with the self-awareness, we always start with core values and we always start with mission and vision and that explanation that I just took you guys through at a breakneck speed, but then into self-management and where most companies hire consultants to come in and hire firms to come in is in the team management. And that's step four. So when you're teaching somebody about diversity and inclusion and you haven't taught them how to manage or be aware of themselves as humans, 
it's very difficult to take in those lessons. It's like starting in, you know, an MBA program when you haven't even learned how to do addition yet. And so, and I know there's actually CEOs that don't do addition very well. I'm actually probably one of them. Um, my daughter's <laughs> multiplication table was totally foreign to me. I could speak four languages, math, not my strong suit. But that's, that is the long answer um, with a very quick run through of where we start and why we do it that way. And we use the analogy of the military to be able to say, this is where you get engagement. Because if you think about it from an American standpoint, there's really our law enforcement and our firefighters, our first responders and our military are the ultimate individuals that show up with this selfless, let's hope, sense of I'm going to write a blank check payable with my life to this company and dedicate my entire existence and put this as a higher purpose than my family. And I knew what I was signing up for when my husband enlisted. And I knew, you know, that from my dad and from my grandfathers. Um, and I knew that part of my purpose was to make sure that my family would be taken care of and that my husband wouldn't have to worry about his home life being stable while he's deployed or while he's executing on his missions. Wow, that was uh, that was an amazing summary. Of that thank you for that. It's you, there's so many points that I'm looking forward to taking clips of um, when we go back to this episode because that was that was a podcast within a podcast right there. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it, there's a lot of important points because we actually went through um, an exercise that you were just going through earlier this year in January, we really wanted to, and fortunately, we're a company of 10 people, a little bit easier as far as, you know, to, to kind of really rein in the focus, but we went through that exercise that you were just describing, you know, and going through all those steps, because it seems like, and I'm sure you have much more experience than I do in this, is that many companies almost just want to do the process to say they've done the process as, um, as, as opposed to actually really, you know, taking it all in and realizing the importance of each step you just outlined yeah, and, and what they're, how to your analogy of getting the MBA or trying to get an MBA without understanding multiplication tables, you know? So I, I, I appreciate that. I know yeah. our viewers will appreciate that. And for your viewers, the most successful companies that we're working for, working with that are doing this, because our process is a little bit different. We're not going to come in and completely disrupt your schedules and add more meetings on top of everything else that you have on your plate. We actually have an inclusive model um, that, you know, we kind of meet you where you're at and join in that. And that's really important because the last thing that we need in today's day and age is, is more on your plate. And so we want to evaluate kind of like an intake or an assessment in the way that we do with therapy on what's currently working. But we also take a um, herd mentality to it. Some people refer to it as a bottom up, but I don't really like that hierarchical kind of view on it. Um, but the companies that do look at it as a hierarchy, and so they do have those 10 people in a room. 
Uh, I joke that a camel is a horse designed by a committee or a board. Um, you know, like it's like, here's what we were going for, but because everybody's opinion was, you know, uh, we, we had to compromise and we ended up with this very uncomfortable horse. Um, which if you've ever ridden a camel, it's not that bad. Um, (laughs) but it's not a horse. So, you know, what we encourage companies to do and what the companies that we work with and that we are um, observing that are doing this well, it's coming from a herd mentality of getting the perspective of everybody and being able to take that perspective and find the common um, themes in it. And we're going through this with our company right now. Our, our clients, I have individual interviews with my clients because I work with the, the small business portion. And right. then I also do the speaking topics. And so I'm interviewing them and saying, you know, first off, tell me what I am good at. Um, and what you think, you know, my purpose is what you think that I would I should put out a five day course on that would be helpful to you. And what are your pain points right now? What would make your life better? And we're in that constant interview process and we're doing this with our, our corporation clients as well. We're doing this even with some of the military clients that we're working with. Um, and so being able to have, get all of that perspective and be extremely authentic and transparent about where we heard you We understand, we think we understand, right? Because we're not really positive. We think we understand better what it is that you want and use the therapeutic uh, tool of restating and saying, based on the results, here were the couple things that we heard that are important to you. And we would like to set up committees or peer groups in order to develop programs that would ultimately make this a, a more sustainable, better heard for everybody. And so then you have these micro peer groups and, and they're not just doing this as a volunteer, you know, they're compensated in whatever way, shape or form they need to be recognized for that, whether that's having somebody else take something else off their plate or whether that's adding to their actual salary. There's a lot of creative ways to be able to do this and there's no blanket solution for every single corporation. Remember that people like to be recognized in different ways. And so then those peer groups come back and this is a process. You're listening to this going, Bunny, this is not going to happen overnight. And listen, you didn't create your culture overnight. So this is a process. But you know what? So is marriage. So is dating. And so you need to go back and date your company and figure out if this is the company that you're going to marry or not. And if you're a company right now, you need to go back to your dating stage and figure out if you can be married to the culture and the... um, level of transparency and the level of accountability that the uh, we have as a world right now really because there are several companies that are saying that they are doing something that they're not actually doing and facebook and social media is going to be the first ones to call you out on everything um and there's even individuals that are saying you know here here's what my priorities are well as my dad said actions speak louder than words So once you have those peer groups and you have the presentations to develop and those are presented to, you know, the company in whatever way possible it is to do that and being able to provide them resources such as subject matter experts, such as studies, such as being able to go observe other companies that they perceive are doing this well. 
And it is a process, but ultimately it makes it easier on the executives because as an executive, your job is to implement whatever tools and resources is best for the entire herd in order to accomplish that vision and to do it with the best vehicle possible, the best mission possible. And so, you know, my grandfather told me once, in order to be the best CEO, you should be the dumbest person in the room. I was like, what does that mean? Well, I mean, that's true. If, if you can have people that you're supported by that have incredible, brilliant ideas and are closest to the pulse of your clients, you should be asking them for their ideas instead of, you know, sitting in, in trying to come up with all of the solutions and then feeding them to a herd that may or may not adopt them. So, I mean, I get accused all the time of, um, with my husband and my nine-year-old of psychological manipulation because I know what I end up, you know, wanting them to be able to do or the outcome. And so I'll review whatever it is that they brought to me as the problem and review some possible ideas that they have to come up with and then they end up finding their solution. So I'll give your listeners a perfect example. If you have a kiddo um, and be able to, you know, say, go clean your room. All right. This is like epic battle, probably number three on the most epic battles. You got to put in the comments of this podcast on what other epic battles that you want me to negotiate you through. Please. Um, (laughs) Because sometimes it's, it's like a crisis negotiation. So here you go. So nine-year-old comes to me and I'm like, today I need you to clean your room. And she's like, I don't want to clean my room. Can you help me clean my room? These are all the rebuttals. And so we sit down and we talk about it and we say, okay, so how much time when we go riding, because we ride horses together, we go riding, how much time does it take you to find your boots when your room is clean? And my daughter goes, oh, well, it doesn't take any time. I said, okay, so, but when we're going riding and your room's not clean, how much time does it take? She's like, well, it takes a lot more time. And I said, so how much time does that take away from riding, which is something that you really like doing? So we'll do this and go through this and basically add up the time that's wasted by not having a clean, organized room. And I tell her, okay, so what are some of the ideas that you think you could come up with in order to be able to have more time to do more of the stuff that we love to do together? And she'll be like, well, I mean, if my, my room was organized, if my laundry was not, you know, all over the place, if I took my clothes off, there's a phenomenon in this world where we can take our clothes off, but we can't actually make them into the laundry basket. If somebody wants to explain to me, I, I mean, I've gone to school for psychology. I don't know the explanation to this. It seems to get worse in teenage years. It does. So, yes. So I, we, we go through this, we have this conversation Um, We go through the just throwing everything in the closet and like shutting the closet doors and how like that ultimately is inefficient and, you know, leads to difficult solutions. And so at the end of the day, my daughter goes, you know what, mom, I think I'm going to go take the time and just take 10 minutes and set a timer and see how much I can get done right now while I have the 10 minutes. And then we'll see where I'm at after the 10 minutes. Well, 30 minutes later, guess who has a clean room? And you know what? It would have spent me this whole time is a 45-minute exercise for the 30 minutes for her to clean her room and the 15 minutes for me to have this conversation. And it's less than 15 minutes most of the time. Once I can teach her the framework of, of how to think through this problem. And I think about the times when I used to just argue and be like, you do it because I say that you do it. And ultimately, the room didn't get clean. 
our relationship deteriorated to some level and it took me an hour, if not longer. And guess who ended up cleaning the freaking room? So, you know, she got what she wanted because I cleaned the room. Um, but you know, she's unhappy with me because of our interaction. And I think about it and it's totally accurate. I get accused of treating my family or running my family the way I run my companies. And it's completely accurate because I will go to my team when they're like, we have this problem. I'm like, you're closest to the problem. So tell me how I can support you with whatever solutions you want to come up with and tell me, you know, how much resources, money, time, energy from me, from somebody else that you need in order to solve it. Because if you can solve it this time, then you won't come to me 30 more times with a problem because you'll have the framework to solve it. And I love the fact that I'm transparent with my team, that I am trying to give you tools to ultimately become a better human. And that's for you. And so tell me what tools you need for that. And if you take it and go to another company and make the world a better place, I'm fine with that. I'm not selfish enough to say I don't, I mean, I love every single one of my team members, but like, what do you need that's going to make you feel fulfilled? And I've had team members that said, you know, I'm probably only going to be here two years um, has here are my next steps. So here's what I want to focus on. And they build their own job descriptions and we work on that. And, you know, a better place consulting has been around since 2014. So I have consultants that have told me two years and have been here for going on five. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just about that kind of environment to, a, a human focused environment. So, um, not a hierarchy, not a right. democracy, not, you know, a dictatorship as I used to feel and some of my, um, parental engagements were, but it's a humanocracy and we take a very herd mentality to it. And I have, I, I told you about my degree, but I'll tell you 30 years of spending time with horses. There's really no better teachers on how to be effective in working together and sharing resources and ultimately being the most successful together um, than a herd animal. And, you know, especially a horse because they have no reason to let a predator or a lion. It's okay. All the viewers saw that. Um, <laughs> Hugh's light just, if you're listening to this, Hugh's light just like disappeared and you, you saw his like eyes get huge, like deer in headlights and he's like, clap on, like he must have a clapper. So like he like clapped it on. Um, Conservation so, of energy. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's like, and we take, um, tr we take teams out to uh, the ranch all the time and, and do exercises with horses. And we, my favorite, my last little like, 15 second story about the horses is my favorite um, demonstration of this is we took a sales team like this really high powered sales team out to the ranch and there's a sales guy the whole activity was to catch a horse and if you're not familiar with the, what that means that means going out into a pasture with a halter and putting the halter around the horse and leading the horse out of the pasture so um, you know catch a horse sounds a lot different than what you're actually doing yes um, but he was chasing from behind this horse for over an hour with his entire team watching and they're laughing and I'm just facilitating and I'm trying to remind him he's not safe. He's like chasing down this 1500 pound animal. That's going to like kick him in the face. Um, and so I'm, I, I 
over two dozen times and had to intervene because you're not safe. And he's exhausted. He's dripping sweat. He's keeping going. We've, we've provided him multiple outs and the team's just laughing. And I was like, how is this, this amusing to you? Like watching your teammate, like destroy himself. Right. Like this is what he does with prospects is he literally chases them down until he's exhausted. They're exhausted. And here was the funny thing is meanwhile, the other horse in the pasture is following him. Like, like a, a best friend and he's paying no attention to this. And remember that the exercise was just to go into the pasture and catch right. a horse, but he's hyper-focused on this particular horse. So he's paying no attention to the other prospects that are following him and that are wow. easily accessible. And they said, you know, he finally does for the most part, end up getting the prospect to convert to a client, but it's out of fear. It's not out of loyalty. And so we have, he has huge retention issues where they finally get caught and then they're so exhausted. They stay with the company for a period of time. And then the first opportunity that they get, they're out because there was no relationship built. And I'm just like, come on, tell me in what other workshop and what speaking like scenario conference, whatever. I, I still haven't gotten anybody to allow me to bring a horse on stage or into a boardroom, but like, (laughs) why, like, how could we not have, how could we have taught that lesson that eloquently without him putting up his defenses without that exercise? That's a, I, I love that story. I mean, it's, it's, it's humorous. Thank you for that. But it's uh, it's unfortunate reality of of a lot of comp- corporations, big and small, on on everything you just discussed, and and having this building these relationships, not just with your clients, but within yourselves, yeah. um, to really, like you said, to you know, stake, you know, plan out the vision and and execute the mission. Um, so that was uh, uh, that was great. You are an amazing podcast guest because now my light's you, doing it. This is this is <laughs> infectious. So you answer all that you answer all these questions I have before I even ask them. So uh, I I appreciate it. I know um, uh, you know our time here is is concluding. So I wanted to. Uh, I'm very grateful to have you uh, spend the time with us today, Bunny. Thank you. I learned I learned a great deal. And, uh, and I know that our viewers will, uh, will do that as well. I mean, that's your great resource. Thank you. That's, that was the genesis of this podcast several months ago when this all started was, you know, how can we, you know, at our firm here, Charles Worth and Rugg, be a resource to not just clients, but the community, you know, and that's why I do this every week, bring on people like yourself who are a great resource to their clients and have really valuable lessons and information to talk about right now um, because these are really disruptive times. And again, thank you so much for being here. I definitely want to have you back on um, because there was, like I said, there was podcasts within this podcast. So I I thank you again for being here today. Well, what I'll leave you with, with that um, statement is that wealth and value those two words, if you look up the definition, they don't equate to money. And so the highest return on investment that you can possibly get is investing in yourself. And that's really where the money and everything else follows. And if you don't value yourself, then you can't expect 
expect others to value you as well. So it really does start with the self-work, but that's to your point on why you started this podcast. Each listener that's listening to this that is getting little bits of value is becoming more valuable, more wealthy with every podcast episode that they listen to from you. And that's, that you. is an incredible gift to be able to be wake up tomorrow more valuable than you are today. That's a amazing and perfect uh, statement to end this. So thank you again, Bonnie. Really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Definitely want to see you again soon. And thank you everybody for tuning in to uh, Money Talks. Remember, you can please subscribe to the YouTube channel, smash the like button, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Again, this is Hugh Meyer with Money Talks. Thanks again. Bye-bye.